Hey guys, I wanted to let you know about a new project I've been working on for quite some time that I am so excited about. It is a fresh book just for all you mamas called Doing It All. Stop overfunctioning and become the mom and person you're meant to be. Doing It All is a simple framework designed to help you organize your stress, clear your mental clutter, and make more space for what really matters in your life. This book is about sharing my blueprint for achieving a centered life as a real working mom with real working mom problems. It's not about achieving a dazzling fantasy life of ease, wealth, and perfection, but a realistic life that's purposeful, organized, and aligned with your personal values. A life where you're able to prioritize what really matters and where everything, even laundry, has its place. Work calls? Yep. Time with your kids? Absolutely. Time for yourself? A top priority. Yes, you heard that right. This has nothing to do with manifesting positive vibes. You won't find a single affirmation here. Instead, you'll discover a practical framework, step-by-step plan, and over 40 targeted exercises, prompts, and activities. You can pre-order right now at amazon.com. Look for Doing It All by Dr. Whitney. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Doc Podcast. I'm happy that you're here with me today. Today, we're going to talk all about mindfulness and movement and yoga, one of my favorite topics. And I have with me Lauren Shatoff. She is the CEO and founder of Yogi Beans. Thank you for being here, Lauren. Well, thank you for having me, Whitney. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah. Okay. So you do a ton of things. I saw as we were kind of prepping for this podcast. I mean, you have a book, you have a whole curriculum that you do, you do some in-person stuff. So tell me about Yogi Beans. Tell me about yourself. I want to hear mostly about like the inspiration behind why you started this and why you felt like there was a real need. Yes, I can, I can, I can share that. So I started Yogi Beans in 2007, which I can't believe we're going on 17 years. And it feels like a previous life. I was a theater major. I was an actress. And I got into the fitness world when I realized, you know, I didn't want to wait tables or bartend anymore. I'd rather get up early and like be, you know, so I started with Pilates. That's how I got into it. I was a little intimidated to teach yoga. I didn't feel I was um, spiritual enough or I had these like strange ideas that I couldn't, I couldn't teach yoga. So I started with Pilates. And when I moved back to New York, I was living in LA. When I moved back to New York, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get my yoga certification. I was teaching Pilates in a gym and I kind of, realized I'm not going to pursue the acting anymore. And I got my yoga certification. And when I got my, you do like a teaching practicum, you know? So I, I remember mm-hmm. it was triangle pose. And they said, Lauren, you have very good cueing. 
you have good alignment points. However, you have a lot of energy. And if you're going to teach yoga, you might want to, you know, tone it down a bit. And I took that and I kind of thought, well, like, to me, yoga is about being authentic. It is about truth. And I was like, well, I, this is me. I have big facial expressions. I'm loud. I have a lot of energy and I should use that energy and channel it to people that would be receptive to it. And I was like, well, kids. And I did a lot of children's theater. I was a nanny. So that's kind of where the impetus to teach kids started. And at the same time, I was working in a Pilates studio and all these clients of mine, you know, they're like, oh, my kid is interviewing for preschool or my kid. I I didn't even understand that. I couldn't even wrap my head. Like, what do they color in the lines? Like, I don't know what they're, right? Like, what are you, it's a point. What are you looking at? And I kind of was like, wow, children are stressed. And this was in 2007. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a pediatrician, I'm sure you know about the children's mental health crisis that we are in right now. So this was 17 years ago and still thinking like, was an interviewing a a four-year-old or five-year-old? It didn't make sense. So that's kind of where my energy level, I was like, would be great for kids. And then realizing also someone that had anxiety their whole life, you know, so many yoga teachers, it's kind of a running joke. You know, my parents will be like, oh, is the yoga helping? Right. Well, that's why I got into yoga because Mm -hmm. I had anxiety and the tools that it offers me to help cope with it. It's not like the anxiety has gone. It's just, it offers you coping, you know, skills. So that's a little bit about, you know, why children's yoga for me. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I love that because when I first moved to Portland, I had done some yoga for sure in college and even in grad school, but it was always very serious, like very serious. You go in and it's like very quiet and like the old music and like whatever, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's all amazing. And uh, I mean, sometimes I need that. But what I was searching for was a way to actually be myself as I was working out and as I was finding a moment of pause or like a moment of meditation or a moment of flow. So I found this place that was called Yo-Yo Yogi. I have an episode with them actually. And for the very beginning, and they were all hip hop. So it would be like loud hip hop and rap music. And then (laughs) the gal who led it would be like, like yelling at you. You It's like a soul cycle class, but yoga, but not in a way that was deprecating, you know, just in a way that was inspirational in the way that I needed and clearly in what was true to her. And so I totally appreciate that. I think in a lot of areas of our lives as working moms, too, I think a lot of working moms can relate, working moms can relate to this, that we feel like we're going to put in this box. Like, this is what it means to be a C-suite executive. This is what it means to be a leader. This is what it means to be a stay-at-home mom. This is what it means to be an entrepreneur. Like when really, it's just whatever you are. The other day, I was at the American Academy of Pediatrics National Conference and I got to meet with some of my publisher friends that are there. My two books are with them, first two books. And and I told them, I was like, I just want to check in. Are you guys cool with the fact that sometimes I'm like a little flippant on my social media <laughs> Because <laughs> I feel like I'm not maybe the same brand as everybody else that's in this organization. They're like, oh no, we love it. Because you're you. You, right. Yeah. And now it's through that. Yeah. Yes. And that people are receptive to that. You know, you, yeah. know, you need, and sh- especially children. I always say, like, you need to be who you are when you're teaching children because they pick up on it. You know, they're, they're totally so receptive. So they know if you're being phony or fake. So totally. Yeah. yeah. No, they can tell, they can sniff out BS like, and they'll call you on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So over time, you developed a whole curriculum 
And it's relatively unique. Like, tell me about how it's a little bit different from like Gold Noodle or some of these other things that are out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love Go Noodle too. So Yogi Beans, you know, how it would differentiate from something like Go Noodle, the foundation is yoga. So everything, you know, I often say our classes and our programming evokes the name. What we're doing is we're taking the practice and we're translating it into a language that kids understand, but most importantly, that they enjoy. So yeah. we have we have kind of this framework of four pillars, and you'll probably appreciate this as a, a pediatrician. So we're always looking at the whole child. So the four pillars are, there is the yogic mind, right? And every pillar has 27 values associated with it to come up to 108, mm-hmm. right? So the, the yogic mind, that's like, you know, values like focus, concentration, attention, present moment awareness, mindfulness. And then we have the heart light, right? And that would be SEL. So anything, you know, empathy, compassion, self-confidence, kindness, and then the yoga body, which is the physical aspect of the practice, which in the West, I feel that's most of us think yoga, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fostering values like, you know, flexibility, strength, proprioception. The one thing about yoga in terms of physicality is it's a non-competitive physical activity, which for a lot of children they don't have, there's not that many outlets for that. It's yeah. sports, which is great. You know, that's all healthy competition. It's all good. However, yoga is non-competitive. And then the fourth um, pillar would be the yogic way. And that's like, how do we values like, you know, communication, friendship, inclusion, diversity? How do we best interact with our society and the people around yeah. us? So we're always looking, that's kind of the framework for all of our programming. And then within that, you know, we have a structure that we follow in our classes, but I think what's really differentiates Yogi Beans is that the classes are really fun and playful. And at the same time, we're not trying to water down yoga. You know, every class is going to have pranayama. We're going to talk about the breath, which is so important in terms Mm -hmm. of self-regulation, helping children, you know, with stress, anxiety, fear, nerves. We're going to have the movement. I often say that the asana or the physicality of the practice is kind of like the portal for kids, right? That's going to get them engaged. You need to have lots of movement and class is not always going to be quiet. Class is going to be loud. Kids are going to be moving fast. They're going to be jumping. And then there's going to be that contrast where we're asking them to ground. We're asking them to center. And then always meditation and like the final rest pose, Shavasana. So it's a little bit about like our overall, you know, curriculum and philosophy, if you will. You know, okay, a couple things that I was thinking about as you were talking. Number one, as the mom of a special needs kiddo who has autism, and another kid who's like very competitive in her own way. So doesn't want to compete in competitive sports because she's so competitive that she's no, already that she'll like, get beat out. Right. <laughs> I want to find alternative activities for them that allow them to have that physicality where there isn't that sense of performance or that sense of competition. I really do think that as a society, we're so focused on performance, on Mm -hmm. success, on competition, on producing, on, you know, like working harder, not smarter, Mm -hmm. especially as Americans. And and so having the ability to have your kids be plugged into something that's not about that, I think is so Mm -hmm. valuable. The other thing you were talking about is in the school, thank the Lord, they have started having so much more at curriculum, right? Around self-regulation, around the zone. The whole like, child. Little child, like all of this. And at the same time, so far, the curriculum in terms of how their day is actually structured doesn't quite line up 
with allowing them to practice those things in real time. So I always am a fan of activities like yoga, where in real time, they can actually lay the groundwork for being able to do some of those things that we're talking to them about. Because yeah. kind of like as a parent, you can talk, I'm sure you can relate to this with your own kids. Like you can talk to your kids until you're blue in the face about empathy or giving to other people, generosity. But like nothing beats going to the soup kitchen and actually doing the work of packing up the cans for the homeless people. Or like getting out there gardening. You know what I mean? Like I I get a little tired of the talk. Let's just not do it. I think I, I, I agree with that. I think it, it's embodied. Right. It needs to be right. so like the it, when we're practicing yoga, you're embodying it. It's a little different than just the talk. You know, children, they they don't I was saying they don't do what we say, they do what we do. You know, so to get them the, we also talk a lot about the mind-body connection, which I think is so helpful for children that are having bigger feelings and they might not even know what it is they're feeling, but they feel it in their belly. You know, one of my one of my girls is a you know, belly ache before school, or it's always on a Sunday night, you know. And I have to it's not it's an emotional, you know, it's not really a belly ache, but it's the nerves right. of going to school on Monday or like, oh, you know, why does she have a headache every day at like right. 758, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yes, I, I definitely agree. Less talk and more do and action. Well, good on you for recognizing that's what it is. A lot of parents will come into my clinic and be absolutely convinced that there is a medical problem when in reality it's fully or a physical problem, when in reality, it is fully a mental health problem. There is so much literature out there about the mind-body connection, about how our bodies actually create more hydrochloric acid in our gut when we are anxious. So your daughter actually does have a true stomach ache, but the root of the problem is what's happening in her mind and her worries about it. I'm sure if you have anxiety, you I do too. Like I feel it right 100%. here in my chest. Yes, I get it right here, that tightness or I get that headache or I get really tired. And it's almost always in my physical body first. And then it's the emotions that come out yeah. later. A hundred percent. And children sometimes don't have the words. Like, you know, she's not gonna be like, I'm feeling anxious this right. morning. Yeah, she totally. calls it actually, I love the name she came up with. She calls them tummy bubbles. And I was oh, like, well, it's, the, it's the cutest thing. And it, that's what it feels like. You know, it just feels right. like a nervous belly, you know? And of course, as any mama, I, I did go through, well, do I think something's wrong? Do I think? And then right, I'm of course. like, no, it's, it's the same time. It's always the same thing. And then she's finally been able to be like, well, it doesn't really, like, do you have to go to the doctor? No, it doesn't mm-hmm. really hurt, right? But it, it feels nervous. It feels like bubbles. So we call them tummy bubbles. And that I think that I love that name because that's what it feels like. You know, all this stuff going on in your belly. And I think when children and recognize that and tie it into, oh, I'm feeling this way. That's why my belly has all yeah. my bubbles in it. You know, it's so helpful for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think actually I mean, it's helpful for every single human being. Like for me, when I'm able to recognize, oh, that's a sign I'm anxious, then I can start to think, oh, well, why is that? What's going on for yeah. me? Give myself the self-compassion around that. Like when I'm able to build awareness around these are the signs that always happen when I get to this place, then Mm -hmm. I can start to actually deal with it as opposed to feeling confused and scared what's happening with my body. Why do I always feel this way? Like that's reassuring, I think, to a kid to know this is a thing that happens to me or that I do when I am having these different emotions. Now, 
Talk to me about this. I have a question, actually, because I feel like, at least in my community, which port, I'm in Portland, Oregon, it's very like crunchy granola. We're all about yeah. the yoga and the health foods and all the things. <laughs> and yet, actually, in terms of availability of kid yoga yeah. facilities or like practices or family yoga, like the ability for me to go with my kids, it literally does not exist. I have searched to try to find like, where is a place where we could go practice together? I could model that with them or they could go on their own. There are some kid practices that are like associated with the school thing, but yeah. I feel like it's actually few and far between, which astounds me because, I mean, the evidence is so clear. Yes. I, yeah. I, I mean, I could speak to that. I could tell you from like a business angle, you know, yeah. I... Yoga studios are hard to get classes running running at, you know, like I, I yeah. from a, just a pure business perspective for me, I, I would try so hard, oh, the studio or, the, I, you know, and oh, this day doesn't work or my child, you know, you're dealing with my right. child's dance on Thursday. I really want to do right. it, but you offer it on, you know, so I, I focus more on schools. We work with, yeah. you know, where, where the kids are already there. So yeah. like, we're, you know, we do have open classes and we do do a lot of big events. We're going to be doing something, you know, we, we work. Primarily in New York City and Long Island, um, we're working on yeah. digitizing Yogi Bean, so it can be for everyone, and you wouldn't have that issue. Yeah. But in terms of in person, you know, I we used to have a studio in the heart of the Upper East Side on Seventy Third and Lexington. Fancy, yes, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> fancy, fancy rent too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was for a certain period of time, but it was just again business wise a lot of overhead, and we do better more as. Mobile. So yeah. I, I, I feel you. There are, I think, yoga studios that do offer kids classes, but they're, you know, it depends on your schedule. If your kid has right. XYZ and you can't go, you know, but you know, I think what parents can do and those people listening, you know, people say to me sometimes like, Oh, do you do like, do your kids practice yoga? Well, my kids, of course they have, you know, but like they're right. not doing a 45 minute class. First of all, I'm mom, so they don't want right. to do it with me. Right, 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 right. It's like my kids don't want to eat vegetables because I'm a pediatrician. <laughs> yeah. You know, my kids will be like, I'm not going to breathe. But like, I think even like, I felt like sprinkling it in. Yeah. You know, like you could, you could sprinkle in a yoga practice before bed at night by putting like a stuffed animal on your child's belly. Cause you know, at night, of course, that's when they want to talk and they have 5,000 yeah. questions. But maybe that's a good time to incorporate a breathing practice. Right. Yeah. And introduce, introduce some belly breathing. Right. Or, you know, we're really big. I spoke about like the, the heart light. Right. And those, yeah. you know, things like cultivating self-confidence and self-worth in children. So maybe, you know, you're doing some I am affirmations while you're doing your belly breathing, you know, yeah. or if you need a child that, you know, my child really needs help focusing and concentrating. Maybe you're doing some balancing poses, even while they're brushing yeah. their teeth. Right. It doesn't have to be this 30 minute you know, or our class, but you could do small little things at home, like sprinkling in the yoga and so, and then you create like a ritual. Maybe it's like before, you know, we go to school, we're going to, I'm going to put my hand on your heart. You're going to put your hand on my heart and we're going to take three center breaths together, you know, yeah. and that, and that's, that's the yoga. You know, I often, and you know, you were saying how you practice, really the goal is to take the yoga off of the mat. And right. it's your everyday life. You know, I don't care if a kid could do a down. I mean, of course, I care, but like they're down. It's not that. It's like when they're in their everyday life, can I help them ground? Can I help them center? Can I help them remember to take a breath when they're feeling those feelings get so big and overwhelming? So, 
yeah, I, I know, you know, more kids yoga studios are popping up. I see people in like my Instagram community opening up studios mm-hmm. here and there. They are a few and far between. And most of them are yoga and adults and kids just because that yeah, pay the rent. <laughs> but yeah, it's I, I think a lot more, more schools, you know. Yeah. Um, Mama, it is here and available for download. It's the new Modern Mamas Club app. We are so ready to join you on your personal journey from conflicted to centered. We want to take you on an evidence-based path from feeling conflicted all the time, from feeling pulled in all kinds of directions, from feeling burnt out to feeling really purposeful and aligned. As you move through your working motherhood experience, no matter what is happening around you. So go check it out in the app store. And maybe that's the place to put it anyway, because that's where they're with their peers. I think it normalizes it to make it so that taking those deep breaths and doing those pauses. And I do agree with you, actually. I mean, I think that's the goal of mindfulness and self-awareness and self-compassion in general anyway, right? Is like not to yeah. have it be the hour-long session you go for or even yeah. therapy. Like it's not to have it be yeah. that like, cool, you're done and then you did your thing and then you're, it's like supposed to be that you learn the practices and then you implement them in small ways yeah. over time. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about the work you do with schools. Like tell me how that looks, how it's set up. Because all about infrastructure change and how can we make it so that we have more change that supports working moms, but then also more change that supports kids in general. Because really, I feel like that relationship between kids and moms is so symbiotic, right? Like the more we can do kids wellness and mom's wellness at the same time, it's all going to intersect eventually. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with that wholeheartedly. So the work we do is close. We work with babies, right? Up until teens. So, well, you know, if we're working with like a nursery or a daycare center or something like that, we usually do like 20 minute intervals with each class, right? We go in, we pop into the twos, the threes, the fours, and we come as a specialist usually once a week. And at that age, I think, you know, especially preschoolers, they're helping them with self-regulation and becoming aware of their emotions and their feelings is so huge at that age. Even, you know, older kids as well. But at that age, you know, there's a lot of big feelings and they don't know how how to... How to cope with them. So giving them coping skills is so important. And then as the children get older, like elementary school, we'll often do like either after school classes will be like an enrichment. So instead of soccer, maybe they're offering yoga, you know, and that's great for the child that doesn't want the competitive sport and still wants to be physically active. That was me as a child. And I had no outlet, you know, like I would walk the track like because I by myself, you know, But I didn't really have a place to go. So yoga is often in elementary schools offered as like an enrichment activity. And then we'll do a lot of um, assemblies or residencies. Like schools will have us come in for mental health week. I think like a week or two ago was something called Red Ribbon Week where they have, we had a bunch of assemblies going on. Or a school will have us come in for like a three-month period. And we'll do like a yoga residency, something like that for older kids. So it's typically how it works within the schools, we'll, you know, I always say my yoga jokes were flexible, but we'll work in many different ways, you know, but I'm bump. And it's, you know, oftentimes it's either the principal or the PTA kind of calling us in. And we do professional development too, 
for teachers on how to incorporate, like I was saying before, just a little bit of this in their class, you yeah. know, as well as we'll do a, another PD that's more focused on self-care for educators because educators also are strong, so thin right now. And it's really, I mean, our children spend the majority of their day with their teachers and we want them to take care of themselves. So we'll do like how they can take care of themselves and then incorporate some of that into their class as well. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so let me play devil's advocate for just a second. When we think about yoga, I love the idea of having these kind of touch points for schools, classes, trying to integrate early enough. What's your view, though, of how far the reach can go when it comes to all the other factors that are pushing down from society? Screen, like our addiction to busyness, our addiction to productivity. How big an impact do you think that yoga can make and these types of practices can make? I have my own opinions on it, but I want to hear you you respond because I think there's plenty of naysayers out there that would maybe try to like be like, eh, no, I'm worth yeah, it. Of course, up in the top of the bucket. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I ask people, you know, if you have a yoga practice, how has it changed you? How has your yeah. practice like helped you? You know, and why should children? Why do we wait till we're in our 20s or whatever it is to start yoga? Why don't we? instill those benefits early on. So I think it's huge. You know, I, I think you're tuning into your internal, you know, being you're, you're, there's so much, like you said, you know, especially in our culture, it's a hustle. It's a bustle. We're constant screens. It's constant instant gratification. All of these things, everything moves so fast. And a yoga practice, the whole point is to tune inward and to tune out all that external stimuli. And even like I said, I'm a big believer in everything. I'm quality over quantity. So I would mm-hmm. rather you do like two, three minutes with your child of some breathing and positive affirmations. And, you know, it's, the, the physical could either be, you know, I think even just tense and release is a good physical practice. Yeah. It's not really a yoga asana, but it makes a child aware of, again, that mind-body connection. So I, I think it's, it's so important. I really do. It's, is it going to change, you know, a, a child's entire disposition? No. And it's going to give them tools and coping skills. So maybe when they are having that feeling that feels too big to handle, you know what? I, I, I can bring my shoulders up to my ears and drop them down. Or I can like put my hands on my belly and feel a big breath. And it's going to help make those really big feelings just a little bit smaller. I always say it's not going to make it go away. Yeah. It's just going to make it more manageable, right? Like my anxiety, I, I, I Pre, you know, I have a predisposition towards anxiety. Yeah, you're genetically designed. Yeah, 100%. And it's not like yoga makes my anxiety go away. It's just I'm more conscious. I'm more right. aware of it. I can take a step back and be like, oh, like you said, oh, I'm feeling anxious right now. So maybe that yeah. child could be like, oh, I'm having the tummy bubbles or I feel my shoulders are really tense. Something's going on with me. I have a tool that I can use help mitigate it, to help make it feel a little more easeful. So I really, I, it's not, I, I don't think it's a gimmick. I don't, you know, I think it's things that we, we, we use them as adults, you know, why not, why not share it with kids? So I do think it has a great impact. Yeah. So I bring that up because I feel like a lot of the pushback that not just I receive, but I think that people yeah. in general who are in this space receive about taking care of yourself or like tuning into your needs, self-awareness, building your own self-worth. Like before you take on all these strategies to try to change the world, often come back with this idea of like, well, 
Those are little tiny drops in the bucket. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody talks about meditating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Self-care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. self-worth. That's a nice concept. But I truly believe that when we tell working moms, like, you need to build more equity in your household by you having these really tough conversations with your partner. You need to like work alongside your business place to have better policies. You need to advocate for paid parental leave. You need to work toward better childcare. That if you don't believe within yourself that you are worthy of taking up just as much space, having as good a life as everybody else, like having rest when you need it, you are never going to do those things. And so I feel the same way about deep self-care like movement that builds awareness, like meditation. Of It really is actually the little tiny things that create that forward momentum and that positive feedback loop that make us you're like, whoa, that actually felt good. Like for the first time in a day or in a week, I felt like myself again. I mean, I think that's why I love yoga is that I feel like I am in a flow state <laughs> Again, no pun intended. And I'm my like best version of myself. I'm the most at peace and the most content when I'm doing things like yoga or meditation or a great spin class where they could get you in a spot where you're not thinking about everything else that's going on in your world. Yeah, I th- as as moms, as working moms, as stay-at-home moms, I, I just everything to me is like a ripple effect. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we don't start from within, if we don't love ourselves, if we don't take care of ourselves, if we don't nurture ourselves, that love can't ripple out. You know, Mm -hmm. like I think it's all like so it it all has to start from within. And yes, I I hear you. Do I get the hope? Yo, so give it myself sometimes. I'm like, I'm gonna make myself terrible. Yeah. (laughs) The truth is, after I go outside, to me, nature is like the ultimate job, right? After I take a walk in the woods right by me, I do feel better. I do feel a shift you know, like a cellular shift in my body. So of course we can all, and I am the first to get cynical and be like, you know, the truth is though, it's, it might sound hokey. It's not because if you don't love yourself, you can't love anyone else, right? It has to start with you. And children again are, they pick up on that. You know, my kids know, like remember one time was, I remember what it was, but I, I, we, we have a TV upstairs and I never, ever like sit down on the couch and watch it. And I was just feeling kind of glum. And I lied on the couch and I turned on the TV and my girls were like, are you okay? And I was like, what? Why? And they're like, we've never like seen you like do this. And I, you know, and I was a little down and I was, yeah. and they picked up on it right away. Just, for, you know, so like children, they're so receptive to our energy, especially like you said, mother and child are so connected. So like if mom is feeling down or low, yeah, a child will pick up on it. Yeah. And actually, I mean, I think especially the neurodivergent kids, like they tend to be so, my daughter tend to be so empathetic. Like sometimes she can't read a room to save her life. But when someone's having a strong emotion, she is the first one to pick up on like your facial cues. She's like overly sensitive to it, right? Mm-hmm. She's overly sensitive to it for herself. So that means when someone else is is, is doing that, it really makes a big difference. So, I mean, that puts, it's not pressure on me, but it does put an onus on me, I think, to be taking care of myself because I know that the way that I'm showing up strongly impacts the mood of my entire family right. and how we operate, which doesn't mean they have to be perfect. 
and I'm not perfect at all. I think it just means, again, that I, you have to learn how to be aware. And you know what? You, 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 what you said just made me think of something. Self-care is going to look different for everyone. Yeah. Like self-care for someone might be like, you know what? I'm sitting with a Diet Coke and I'm scrolling through TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I have like 20 minutes to myself and this is making me zone out. Not This is what I need right now. Or it might yep. be like, I'm going for a walk or I'm meditating. Like, I think sometimes we get judgmental on like what self-care means. Self-care means doing something for yourself that makes you feel good. You know, and if yep. sitting on TikTok doesn't make you feel good or whatever, then don't do that, you know? But I just sometimes I think, like what you were saying, oh, self-care, I need to, I can't, I, I, I don't have the time or the budget to get a massage. It doesn't have to be like that. Right. It could, it, whatever, it could be going for like a, a, a coffee with your friend and having some yeah. girl time. It could be ordering in because you don't want to cook tonight. And you know, we're going to order in or it's going to be another night of chicken nuggets or veggie nuggets, whatever <laughs> it is. You know, yeah. so I think we need to be, when we talk about self-care, we need to remember it doesn't have to be this like, you know, oh, I'm having like a green juice and going to, yeah. the, you know, my. It, it doesn't have to be like that. Self-care is what you can do for yourself to make yourself feel at ease, to make yourself feel good. And, and that's going to be different for everyone. So I think that's a really a good point. It shouldn't feel like an onus. It should be like whatever it is that's going to make you feel good, then that's your self-care. And that's going to change yeah. for different people. My favorite thing, actually, and what I've realized that I need, because I think part of self-care, too, is like recognizing what do I need? What is mm-hmm. the thing that's actually going to fill me, right? So I, my favorite thing to do is in the morning, just to grab my cup of coffee. We live in a place where I have a little bit of a view off my porch. And so to sit in like a chair on my porch, it's quiet, wrap myself up in a blanket when it's cold, like it is now, and just sit there and like journal a little bit. And sometimes I'll just write the lyrics to a song. Like, like there'll be a song in my head and I'll just write the lyrics out. I love that. Yeah. Or sometimes it'll be like, I'll try to remember the lyrics for it. Or sometimes it'll be like, this is the thing that I want to make sure that I'm focused on today. Or sometimes it'll be, I feel terrible. And I'm just writing that. Like, I feel so nasty today. What is (laughs) today? You know, like, but just, I think that moment of like getting myself ready for the day in a way that feels like it's more grounded or that it's a little bit more intentional or like that I took that moment for myself for whatever I needed makes a huge difference for me because I think as like a recovering perfectionist and overachiever that it's really easy for us as moms to just like jump into the day and get going and like do the thing and then by the end of the day feel like you accomplished nothing and that life is meaningless and so for me, just those five minutes. Sometimes I don't even finish the whole cup of coffee. Sometimes I only have time for like half the cup of coffee or my kids will come <laughs> and snuggle with me or whatever. So it's not yeah. about like 30 minutes. It's, this is like a five minute thing that I'm talking about yeah. doing. But when I don't have that, I find myself sometimes in the middle of the day, like I'm kind of like swimming in indecision. You, you know? feel untethered. I, I, yes. I have to, I am, I am, you know, and I think there are two types of people. I think we have our larks and our nightingales. Mm-hmm. And I, I am a lark. I've always have been, but some people can't do the morning thing. So if you're not, if you're listening and you're not a lark, then you're a nightingale for about the time at night, you know? And I, I, like you, I I need that, that morning ritual, you know, where I meditate and I, I choose a card, you know, like I, I, and I go back, I go back and forth with journaling. It's really good. And uh, you know, the morning pages are very helpful, but if I don't, I feel this like, I feel on not grounded. I feel untethered yeah. throughout my whole day. And if you're not a morning person, maybe it is having a ritual at night, but having some time in your day that is carved out just for you. And like you said, Whitney, it could be five minutes. It could be 10 minutes, you know, it, yeah. 
we have kids if we're moms and they're, they're always around, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're always calling it. So it's just car- making it a ritual and, and really sticking with it. I, I find very helpful for myself as well to keep me grounded and centered. I think it's really, that's my, my morning ritual is how I do self-care for myself. You know, yeah. that, that time is very important. Yeah. All right. Tell me about your book because you have a book. Oh, okay. yeah. That out. Yeah. So I want to hear about that before we close. I want to hear about where people can get it, but then also just what it's about, what people can expect from it. So it's called 108 Awesome Yoga Poses for Kids. And I had mentioned 108. 108 is a Vedic number, kind of like the universe's natural code. So we chose 108. And what, what I, the impetus for the book, it actually started, I was thinking, oh, this is really great. I trained so many people how to teach yoga to kids. And I was like, this is, I had all these photos that I took I took the day before the world shut down. Like, I think it was March 13th. And I was going to use them for our training manual. And then everything went online and things kind of pivoted. And I'm like, I have these amazing photos. And they're they're very clear in terms of like the alignment of a pose and looking at a pose. Mm -hmm. And I thought this would be so helpful for people that want to learn how to teach yoga to kids. So then as you know, as you know, in the publishing world, I met my publishers and they were like, this is great. We want to angle it more towards kids though. So it is a children's book, which is also great for any adult looking to teach yoga to kids. It has 108 poses and it's, it's a great book because you can actually see all ch- children model, right? They model right. what we do. So they open the book and the book lays flat, which is really nice if you're using it to teach and they can flip through the poses and practice five poses a night. And each pose has a little I am value statement. So it's tapping into the SEL component of yoga as well. And it's, it's gotten, you know, I, what I love hearing is I've gotten really great feedback from gym teachers. And for me, I was a child that I really didn't like gym. And I have a child that like, she's like, is it day four? Is there gym? (laughs) (laughs) A lot of feelings. I feel that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we're like day four and five. Like she already, even this morning, she goes, but I have gym on Monday. And I'm like, oh my God, it's Wednesday. You know, there's a lot of feelings around gym. And what I love hearing from PE teachers is that they're incorporating this into their class. And I think, again, going back to what we were saying, for children that either, you know, gym can be very loud, you know, Mm -hmm. and competitive. And for children that feel like they don't have a place there to know that there is a physical activity that you can do that is not about being competitive, that it's all a personal practice. So that's made me really, really happy hearing how phys ed teachers are using the book in their class, parents, grandparents. It could be ordered... Anywhere books are sold, <laughs> you know, uh, Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble, all of those places, it's available. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a really, really fun journey, fun. And, uh, you know, you know what having a book is out yeah, like. Fun. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> a journey <laughs> that is still true and also a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> cool. Tell people where they can find out more about Tiny Beans and about you. So if they want to get interested in potentially having you, you know, doing the digital digital thing, buying your book, learning more about you, then get involved. You can find Yogi Beans on Instagram, on Facebook, on our website, yogibeans.com. We don't, I don't think it's even tweeting anymore. We're not on X. I mean, I am, but I don't, I don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, I would say find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, or yogibeans.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. We have a nice newsletter that goes out with like a different value. This month, it is silent. Talking about, you know, helping kids connect to silence. So it's not so scary, um, which is not, it's not an easy thing to get kids to be silent. So we have some fun little tools that you can use for that, some games and activities. Yeah, that's where you can find them. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. 
It was so lovely chatting with you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right, you guys. See you next time. Hey, mama. If you want more of the Modern Mommy Doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.